We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Robert Ashcroft. He is head of strategy for Avello Airlines. The company recently announced one of its East Coast bases would be Tweed New Haven Airport. Good morning to you, Robert. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Pleased to be here. Well, first of all, Robert, Avello is a startup. You had your first flight in April. Tell us about the airline. Yeah. So uh, this airline, the founder of this airline is my boss, uh, Andrew Levy. Uh, uh, He and I started talking about a carrier like this actually back in 2015. Uh, In 2016, he ended up going to become the CFO of United, and that was a gig he thought he couldn't turn down. I, in the meantime, went off and worked for Amazon. Uh, and then we kind of got back together beginning of 2018. Amazon wasn't for me. Uh, he was had kind of figured out that being that the big airline United wasn't really necessarily for him. And so we resuscitated the discussions we'd been having. Both of us had worked at an airline called Allegiant, uh, which is a little airline. Actually, it's a a lot bigger airline these days, uh, based in uh, in Las Vegas, that had been very very successful when we were there, and in fact is still quite successful today. Uh, and we wanted to take the kind of the, the things we learned from there, uh, the good and the bad, fix the bad, emphasize the good, and we thought there was a lot of opportunity. Now, of course, this is 2018 pre-COVID, and I think in 2018 it was something like the ninth or tenth year in a row that the airline business had made a profit, which is very unusual in the history of the airline business. And so we went out, uh, we uh, found a little airline that we had previously identified as being a good candidate, uh, then called Extra Airways. Uh, We bought it, or to be more exact, Andrew bought it. Um, In August of 2018, we spent 2019 raising money. Um, We closed our transaction uh, January of 2020, just in time, for COVID to hit us on the head. Uh, in fact, the timing was actually, given that COVID was a disaster uh, for us, it was um, that, that timing wasn't as bad as it could have been because we had yet to make a lot of uh, commitments. So we spent most of 2020, uh, as everybody else did, first trying to figure out what COVID meant. And then we kind of picked ourselves back off the floor and we uh, started the process of transforming what was then a little charter airline into a scheduled carrier. Uh, and uh, our timing seems to have been reasonably good. Uh, you know, the, the industry is definitely coming back 
in a big way, uh, at least for domestic travel, uh, or at least for domestic personal travel, I should say, uh, business travel and international travel, neither of which is a focus for us, um, is still not quite there yet. Uh, we launched, as you said, um, in April uh, in Burbank, California. Uh, but uh, about sometime during the summer of 2020, we noticed that there had been some changes at uh, Tweed New Haven Airport. Uh, and those changes related to the fact that historically that airport has been under a, uh, a lot of restrictions as to the amount of service it can have. And it managed to get itself out from under that. Now, Tweed is an airport that I've been aware of for a long, long time. My, my, main, my main skill, to the extent I have one in the airline business, is, plan, is what's known as planning which is determining where an airline is going to serve, how much it's going to serve, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we'd always liked the location of New Haven Airport, uh, but it was historically under these restrictions. It got out of those restrictions. And I think normally that would have been uh, big news, except that it happened just at the, at the dawn of COVID. And so while, what, while uh, it was a little bit hidden from most people, we noticed, we reached out, uh, we started talking to the authority, uh, there's a very bright guy there who runs it called Sean Scanlon, um, and uh, they had a third party, which is uh, Avports, who was already in the mix. And between uh, the three of us, we kind of came to an agreement uh, that would relate to all the things that we would have to do at the airport to make it suitable for us to serve there. Uh, and uh, came to that agreement, uh, oh, late in April. Uh, as you know, there was an announcement in May um, with a big wall of politicians. I thought it was very impressive to U.S. senators, the governor. I mean, that's quite a turnout. It's one thing to, uh, to have that kind of turnout for July 4th. It's another thing to have it in favor of an airport. Um, and, uh, and so here we are. Uh, we plan on starting service at New Haven uh, in uh, the third quarter. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we're not quite ready to, uh, to reveal where we're going to fly yet. I think that probably uh, many of your listeners, uh, you could probably guess some of the places we'd fly. It's not too hard. Um, but, um, but yeah, this is where we're at. Given the popularity of certain routes up the road at, at Bradley and that you're focusing on leisure travel, I'm, I'm guessing down south, maybe Florida might be places you're looking at. Yeah, well, it turns out a lot of people in Northeast do like to go down to Florida. So that's an astute observation. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'd be very surprised uh, if some of our first routes didn't involve Florida. Now, whether it's going to be, whether we'd first go to Central Florida or South Florida or West Florida, who knows? Uh, but yeah, that would, that's, that's pretty much, uh, yeah, it, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if, it wasn't, uh, if Florida wasn't among the, uh, the first few routes we announced. Talk a little so, more uh, about Avello's strategy of going into airports that are lower cost and easier to get into and out of. Yeah, so uh, cast your mind's eye back to before COVID, and uh, the, the, the airline industry had been on quite a run. And one of the things that you had seen was, especially many of the coastal airports uh, in the country, 
uh, had really grown tremendously in terms of throughput. And they were begin beginning to groan under the strain, right? So whether it's uh, JFK uh, or LAX or any of these other big airports, uh, it was in becoming increasingly difficult to get to them. Uh, and then when you were at them, uh, there was quite a bit of congestion, both on the, the land side uh, and on the air side. So in terms of air traffic control and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, an observation would be that it is probably, probably takes you at least a couple hours longer today, or at least pre-COVID, to get from downtown New York to downtown LAX than it did in the 1960s because it's just a much, much more involved process, whether it's getting out to the airport or through security or out to the runway or any of those things. So, uh, our, you know, at the end of the day, air travel is, in our view, uh, one of the things that it's about is convenience, right? I mean, if one of the things I like to say is if there was suddenly an economic way of beaming people from point A to point B, uh, the airline industry would collapse overnight because people only, people only fly because it's the fastest way to get to where they're going. Uh, and so when the value proposition of air travel is eroded by congestion, um, you know, we start thinking about what could we do at airports that uh, are convenient to a significant number of people, right? And I think that's one of the things that really attracted us about Tweed is the closest airports uh, to somebody who lives in New Haven are about 50 miles away, whether you're talking Bradley on the other side of Hartford, or you're talking about Westchester County uh, in, uh, in New York. Uh, and if you take a look at the data, uh, it suggests that actually a lot of people in the New Haven area, uh, over 50%, use the New York City airports, which is quite amazing because they're at least 70 miles away from New Haven. And as you know, those are some pretty arduous roads. And then once you get to New York, your fun has kind of just begun. When you take a look and think about uh, airports in the country where you could provide a huge amount of additional convenience to the people who live around them, Tweed kind of stands out. Uh, you know, there are some other ones that, that I have in mind, but you know, New Haven was always one where I was like, you know, even 10 years ago, because I'm, I'm an airline geek, I'm an airline planner, it's my job to know about airports all around the country and the possibilities. Tweed clearly stands out as one where if you can get something going there, you really stand to be able to provide a tremendous amount of convenience to people who at the moment have pretty limited options for, for air service. Uh, uh, you know, outside of uh, outside of driving a considerable distance. That's one of the big motivations for um, our our business model. There's um, so you know, if you take a look at the West Coast airport that we started at, uh, we started at Burbank, which is a secondary airport of the LA area. I say secondary airport. Actually, Burbank uh, is at least as close to some key parts of the LA area as LAX is. And of course, it's a heck of a lot easier to use, right? So uh, you're from, from the gate to the curb at Burbank is literally minutes, and then you can get into your Uber right away. Uh, the experience at LAX is very, very different from that. Um, not to say that LAX isn't a great airport in some other ways, but if what you're looking for is a quick getaway uh, after getting off your airplane, uh, Burbank blows it away. 
that's kind of a very similar motivation to uh, to to, uh, to to our interest in Tweed. Did I address your question? Absolutely. You are listening to Face Connecticut. Yeah. We are talking to Robert Ashcroft. He is head of strategy at Avello Airlines, making Tweed New Haven one of its East Coast bases. Robert, what does that mean to be a, a base? What sort of investment does that require on the part of the airline? Yeah. So the way that we do things, you you know what a hub is, I'm sure. You know, you go to you, you fly in on one airplane, you connect, and you t- fly off on another. That's not the way that we are going to do things. So we refer to uh, to it as a base because it will be an operating base. And what that means is we'll have a certain number of airplanes that will actually spend their time there. And we'll have the mechanics, we'll have the pilots, we'll have the flight attendants, and they will all be using uh, New Haven as what's known in the industry as a domicile. This is where they're located, right? And then all the flights that we'll be flying out of New Haven will be nonstop. Um, and so we will be going out and back, out and back, right? So whether to Florida or some other city, uh, outside of Florida, the airplane will go out to where we're flying to and then come back. All the airplanes and all of the uh, crew will come back and spend the night in New Haven. And so it's a bit different. Um, there are other airlines uh, in the world and in the United States that operate this way. Uh, our prior airline, the one that I was at back in uh, the past decade, uh, from 2006 to 2010, Allegiant operated in exactly the same way. It's a very inexpensive way uh, to operate, and it's also a very reliable way to operate because the airplanes uh, get to, to see mechanics every night. Um, and so that's what we mean by a base. There are actually a couple of big airlines in Europe that operate this way. Uh, Ryanair, which is kind of a giant low-cost carrier in, uh, in Europe, operates this way. Uh, and it's, it, like I said, it's, it's tremendously reliable. Um, also, you know, look, people, we, we figure we want to uh, offer what people want. And what do people want? They want a nonstop flight. So that's all we offer. Um, we do, do not offer connections and in not offering connections, by the way, that enhances your reliability because, uh, if you think about a connection, both sides of a connection have to work. Uh, and, uh, and so essentially you're tying the reliability of the entire journey, not just to one, uh, aircraft flight, but to two. Uh, and so for us, it's just a cheaper, more reliable, uh, and, and better way to operate. What airplanes will you be flying and what will it be like to, to be a passenger on a Velo? Yeah, so we have, um, so we will be flying 737-700 aircraft. They, uh, we expect them to have 147 seats. Uh, it's all economy seating, but uh, a fair fraction of the seats on the airplane, about one third of them will have extra legroom. Uh, which people can can buy up to if they're so inclined. The uh, the standard seat, the standard legroom on the on the aircraft will be just fine. Um, we uh, we actually have a, an inch more than many of our competitors, and people out in Burbank uh, have found it to be quite acceptable. So we're pretty confident that the basic product will be nice. Uh, what we're looking for in general is to remove hassle from the the overall experience. Okay. And that extends to like basic, the basic the basic concept that we were looking for. Quite aside from the network planning, 
was we want this to be uh, a pleasant experience, okay? Uh, and so we have gone to quite some trouble to uh, figure out the kind of crew member who we want. Uh, and we have gone out and sought that type of crew member. And the early returns are that they're doing a fantastic job, right? So my, my view is that from a passenger comfort standpoint or a passenger experience standpoint, uh, pass, you, can, you can make a lot of customers fairly happy with you know, a relatively um, simple set of criteria. Are we going to get you there? We want to get you there safely. We want to get you there reliably with your bag right? Uh, we want to get you there for a good price. And we want to treat you with respect the entire way. And that includes respect for the fact that you've handed over your hard-earned money to us, uh, respect for your time, um, well, and, and respect for you as a, as a human being, you know, just basic, uh, pleasant interaction with you. And so we have gone out and selected our crew members with that in mind. And we have also uh, ensured that the overall experience is straightforward. Uh, and easy to understand. We want to set a very clear set of customer expectations, then we want to exceed them a little bit, right? And, and we find that to be a, a, a winning proposition. It sounds simple, right? But this is, in fact, an incredibly complicated business, right? Because, um, and it's just this, this I, I was on a call yesterday where we were just talking about the seat numbers that we were going to put on the, the, what were we going to number the rows on the airplane, right? And, and you might think that that would be a relatively straightforward thing to do. Nothing that touches an airplane is straightforward because everything is uh, subject to the very stringent regulations of the FAA. And that's a good thing for everybody, right? And so just the same way that there are tremendously stringent regulations about the electronics in the cockpit and the parts in the engine, even the placards that, that, uh, that indicate what row number you have subject to the same incredibly stringent uh, regulations. And so, you know, this, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, our value proposition sounds simple. It turns out to be in the background, uh, very complicated to deliver, you know, so keep it simple. It turns out to be one of our company values because again, it's an inherently complicated business and we, it's our job to uh, essentially hide the consumer from as much of that as possible and deliver to them a very simple, uh, straightforward, and above all, pleasant experience. We're not always going to get it right because you know nobody's perfect, but we're going to do our damnedest uh, to do so. One of the things I noticed on your website is that you charge more for a carry-on bag than you do for a checked bag. Does that help keep things flowing on the deplaning and you know boarding process? Yeah. It, it does. And, you know, we, one of the things we, we struggled with when we were setting this thing up is, uh, should, what, what should we be charging for bags, right? Um, back in the day, nobody charged for bags. Today, there's just one airline uh, pretty much that no longer charges for bags. We thought that what was being charged for bags was uh, typically a little bit more than we thought was warranted. So we just charged $10 for the first bag. Uh, we do charge a little bit because it does cost something to provide. Uh, but as you point out, we also then charge more for a carry-on bag than we do for the check bag. Uh, and, and you're right. It's all about making sure that we can uh, get people on and off the airplanes quickly because, as you've probably noticed, 
on a full flight on the average um, on an average airline flight in the United States, it gets quite involved uh, with people, you know, making a mad rush to get onto the onto the airplane first so they can get to the overhead bins, and then people, you know, uh, taking things on and off uh, off the overhead bins, and that absolutely does. Uh, it absolutely does slow down boarding and deplaning. And that is something that we would like to make a little simpler and a little easier. Now, whether we've got the exact right uh, prices for those things, um, you know, we're only about a month into our, into our, um, our journey here. And, you know, we, we certainly uh, expect to revise things along the way because again, uh, nobody's perfect, but um but yeah, that general philosophy is one that we tend to agree with, which is uh, that um, we'd actually prefer people to check a bag. Now, if if we accept a bag and people check a bag, it's kind of up to us to make sure that we get it back to people that can be split. Because again, that goes along with ensuring that the, uh, the experience is a good one. Um, but yeah, correct observation. And uh, you, got, you, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Now, in our last couple of minutes, talk to us about what is going to be happening at Tweed between now and your launch from New Haven. Sure. So if uh, anybody's ever been to Tweed Airport and taken a look at the existing terminal there, it is quite modest. Uh, Now, this doesn't frighten us particularly, um, but uh, it does mean that to do the things that we want to do will require uh, to you know, that we give it a little bit of a modification. We're doing this in cooperation with the, the authority and with uh, the operator there, Avports. Um, and it just involves putting some, uh, a, a few modular units. Uh, nobody wants, this is not a terminal that anybody wants to invest in. As you know, uh, the, the long-term plan here over the next three or plus years is to move the terminal from where it is on the west side over to the east side, which is a far better place for it. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we do want to expand it a little bit with some modulars uh, so that we can have the check-in throughput that we're going to need uh, so that there's a bit more space for people to sit comfortably waiting for the aircraft uh, and so that we can uh, you know, do baggage return, uh, the baggage return um, facilities at the moment are beyond modest. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the agenda. Um, and so that we're, we're looking forward to that happening before the end of the year. Uh, we actually expect to start operating before that is done, just in a very, very small way, because as I said, the existing facilities are fairly marginal. Um, so that's the, that's the plan for the near term and the long term, as I said, uh, Avports, and I don't, I don't want to speak for them uh, because you know it's really. I would encourage you to have them on your show, um, but uh, they are going to be. Uh, the plan is to build a new terminal on the east side in East Haven, uh, close to some uh, industrial facilities in the back there. It's it's a much more suitable long term location for a terminal. Quickly before um, we let you go. Does anything have sure. to change with the runway before you can start flying 737s in and out? No. Well, we can operate these aircraft uh, safely off the existing runway. 
The airplanes that we are using in California are a slightly bigger version of the same aircraft we're using out in California. We're using 737-800 aircraft, which uh, hold 189 seats. We would be using 147-seat 737-700s, which is a smaller aircraft. Uh, and we're using those specifically because we're much more comfortable operating those off the existing runway. So we expect to be able to take people to Florida and to other places from this runway. For instance, uh, the runway at New Haven is 5,600 foot long. Uh, you may be familiar with the uh, fairly busy airport in uh, Orange County, California. Uh, it has a 5,700 foot runway. Um, and so it's not unusual for commercial aircraft to operate off of runways that long. He is Robert Ashcroft, head of strategy at Avello Airlines. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face one. Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.